Today in this episode of the Unofficial Shopify Podcast, you are going to hear from someone who has survived multiple recessions because he has been a entrepreneur who's been self-employed since 1994. That's, that's quite a while. He's been at this a while. And he's going to walk us through what steps you could take to survive turbulent waters ahead. So, Dave, what do you want people to take away from this episode? Let's get that out of the way right now. So, yeah, I mean, um, we can take away two things. One, I'm really old. (laughs) And two, uh, I want people to have a sense of how you can survive a coming recession. At this point, I think we can look forward and say, it's not a question of if we're having a recession. It's a question of when. And I think it's pretty soon. And it feels, you know, every one of them is a little bit different, but this one feels a lot like the ones we've had in the past that I've lived through and had to work through and and deal with all of the stuff. So, you know, I'd like to talk about some of the things that I've discovered that work really well for helping your business stay afloat during these turbulent, crazy, uncertain times. And tell me why, so you said, you know, this feels like something I've seen before. What about it is familiar to you? Well, the fear. The fear is familiar. Uh, it's not the, the reason for the fear always changes. There's always something very different. So I've, you know, I've been aware of four different recessions. So one of them happened like while I was in college. So it wasn't really directly impacting me, but everybody talked about it all the time. And that's at a time when I was more aware of those conversations and I was reading the newspaper and, and just sort of plugged into what was going on in business. And, you know, when I graduated college in 93, my mother was completely freaked out and was like, oh my God, we're in a recession. You know, would there, you, go, you have to get a job. Like that's your one job. You have to get a job. Like you have to get employed as soon as possible. That was the one thing that was freaking her out more than anything. And I I think that's a pretty common freak out for kids graduating from college. But my mom was like 10 times more freaked out about it because of the whole recession thing. And there's always this lingering sense of fear. First, there's like a denial of what's going on. Like, is this really bad? Are we really heading into a recession? Everything seems fine. And then all of a sudden there's the fear. Oh crap. This is huge. This is big. This is really scary. What's going on? I don't know what's going on. I don't understand the problems here. And then that fear lasts for a really long time, like two to three years. It always outlasts the recession itself because there's always a point at which, you know, the economists who are measuring the output and the GDP, whether it's going positive or negative, and they say, okay, the recession's over. But the fear doesn't go away when that happens. And so there's this like cycle of denial, fear, and then ignoring the reality of what's going on outside in the business world. And so I feel like we're hitting that first wave of this again. We hit the same thing back around 9-11 and the dot-com crash. We did the same thing in 2008 with the Great Recession and the housing bubble. And here we are again with the coronavirus, and I'm feeling the same sorts of things happening again. Are you afraid? So afraid sort of implies to me that 
I'm freaked out beyond all compare and I'm sort of paralyzed in action. So I wouldn't say that I'm afraid. Am I concerned? Am I worried? Am I, you know, wanting to make sure that I can do everything in my control that I can to possibly keep my business and my family and, you know, my lifestyle, all of these things afloat? I'm definitely the latter, but probably not the former. Would you call it worry mixed with cautious optimism? I would say, yes, I would say that there is some cautious optimism in there because the other thing, and you know, this is going to sound a little weird, but having lived through three recessions as a business person, there, there are actually some good things about recessions. And I know that sounds like it's, it sounds weird and horrible and, and kind of crazy actually, but there are some good things that actually come out of recessions. So as a result of that, I think that there's going to be businesses that can survive this are going to end up being stronger on the other side. I agree. I have seen, yeah, I started my business in the 2008 recession. So I, I lived through that. I read, um, and at that time, read a, quite a few business and marketing books about recessions. And the one thing we know for certain is that the businesses who are lucky enough to be able to weather the storm, who can spend their way even at a reduced rate, but still survive and spend their way through the recession and maybe not cut back on marketing entirely, recover significantly faster than the businesses who hunkered down and survived. And certainly, of course, like they're all lucky to have survived. Um, but it's one of those scenarios where, yeah, it, I mean, we know historically, empirically, if you could spend your way through it, you will recover faster. That's my point. Yeah, yeah. And you know, that sort of brings me to one of the the top tips that I would say, if you're going to survive this recession, you got to make sure you got to have a cash cushion right now. So you, you, that, that's a combination of two things. Like if you have some savings right now, that's great. You need those savings. If you don't have some savings, okay. So don't panic. It's not too late because the recession doesn't like, you know, crater everything immediately. That's not the way it works. Start now, save what you can, because even if you get only a few months in the bank, that's a few months that uh, some of your competitors may not even have. So it's totally worth doing like immediately. Hmm. Okay. So I think for e-commerce merchants specifically, one thing you could do right now is run a promo and go with, uh, either you know some exclusive offer or a fairly aggressive sale offer say you know, it depends on your margin but 25 to 50% aggressive and run you know a, a 3 day flash sale while at this moment and promote it heavily because at this moment facebook ads are cheaper than ever right we have more eyeballs than ever on social media and we have people cutting ad spend so there are industries where th this won't work and I'm sorry, um, like B2B, uh, especially like, let's say you sell to high schools. All right. And that's going to be a problem. Uh, <laughs> or you sell yes. to restaurants at bars. Like, okay, I acknowledge that this advice will not work for everyone. And I apologize for some people though, there are necessary goods and there are goods that make us feel normal. Like I have my, um, my apparel brands, especially the ones that had like strong lifestyle brands are doing fine right now with the strategy I suggested. So like, do we necessarily need more clothes at the moment? No, 
but we still have to get dressed for those Zoom calls, and it'll help us feel normal, you know, to be able to wear wear comfy clothes. I bought a few items that I'm just like, all right, I'm ordering one size bigger, because for me, COVID-19 refers to the amount of weight I plan to gain from stress eating. (laughs) (laughs) None of that's a joke, by the way. Um, I know I should like work out and stay healthy and I'm still, still working out a little bit, but I also just can't avoid the stress eating. I'm sorry, but all right. So the, the point there to your point is you can right now, if you are in one of those industries that can still sell, can still fulfill, turn that inventory into cash and then you'll, you will feel more confident you will breathe easier and then you're not necessarily going to be operating from a place of like panic and fear when you have that cash cushion and let's say it's three or six months and you feel more comfortable. Okay. Now you can make saner, more rational decisions. Absolutely. Absolutely. And another example that, uh, so we have a couple of, subscription-based uh, services on recapture and one of them is a coffee subscription service and i know that they are right now trying to get people to like prepay for some subscriptions over the next three to six months so that they can have some extra cash to operate with and then these people already have their stuff prepaid they don't have to worry about it if they lose their job so they're still going to get their awesome coffee showing up right now that's another perfect example of what you can do Okay. Uh, any other strategies? Yes. So the other thing, you know, you, you already alluded to one of them, and that is uh, um, don't cut your marketing expenses where your leads are being driven by that channel. So if you've got a channel and you know that it's working, Facebook ads, AdWords, what, it doesn't matter. If you've got LinkedIn working on e-commerce, for God's sakes, double down on LinkedIn right now. The ad costs are dropping because advertisers are pulling out left and right. If you cut that ad spend, you're cutting your lifeline. So if you've got a channel, you know it works, don't quit spending. If you can increase spending, great, because that's what's going to keep your customers coming in. If you have channels that you were experimenting with or you're not really sure or they're kind of marginal, then that's where you need to start cutting right there. Take out the expenses that aren't really driving your leads. Take out the expenses that aren't pushing forward in your revenue. And uh, other things that you want to look at, like if you have a bunch of things in your business and they are absolutely essential, those are not expenses to cut right now. But if there are things that are nice to haves or things that are helpful, but you could do in a different way, maybe it's time to start cutting those expenses early to cut your burn rate back. If your burn rate is lower, that means you're not going to burn through your savings. And if your revenue shrinks, you're going to have a longer runway to to run with. So those are ways that you can actually survive here in the short term. And if you wait to cut, it's going to be harder because you're going to start burning through things earlier. So, you know, I would suggest that you want to do that early not and not wait right and i think when looking when reviewing those expenses and making those tough decisions i think you got to classify things either as expense or investment some expenses have a demonstrable return on investment and that's the first thing you want to keep the stuff that has a more subjective return on investment, say things that make you feel secure, things that 
are good for your your mental health and well-being. All right, we'll put those in that category as well. Stuff that is like feels like pure expense and there is no way to justify it. Those are the things I would cut first. Yes. Yes. Uh, can you think of any examples in each category? One of each. Something that you probably don't want to cut, something that you want to make sure you keep on is stuff like email marketing, abandoned cart recovery. Anything that's basically directly driving revenue right now. If you can go back and say, I'm sending X emails and I'm making Y dollars, that's something that you want to keep, right? Stuff that is probably a little more um, f- that's flashier and doesn't necessarily have a direct ROI, like um, FOMO. Uh, if you have a FOMO plugin right now, and you have that that's you know says that pops up on your website says hey so and so just bought X you know I think that that things like that don't have the same impact and it's going to be harder for you to directly attribute sales from how that thing is working on your site to what kind of orders show up later on and if you already know that great but if you don't know that right now that's a great example of something to kill what what would you suggest Kurt the all right so for in my own business, things I'm keeping, you know, I looked at uh, our ad spend. It's positive. I'm keeping it. Anything related to content marketing, I'm absolutely keeping that and doubling down because A, I, I think it's a public service for our community. Um, and B, it's always been the thing that has served and driven our business. So why would I not double down on that? Um, and there, the, there are expenses related to, to producing their content um, and these shows that I'm a hundred percent committed to keeping. Whereas uh, the first thing I did was go through our SaaS businesses or our SaaS subscriptions. And there's some stuff that existed like purely as a convenience, just in case I needed it. And that's the stuff where I'm like, all right, well I can always resubscribe later. We'll just kill that now. And I do that actually annually anyway. I just <laughs> happened to do it uh, in March as opposed to October when I normally do it. What's a specific example of that that you would give the, to the merchants out there? Sure. So I, I was paying a monthly fee to be able to license music for videos whenever I needed it. I really don't use that particularly often uh, or monthly, and there are other ways to license stuff one-off as opposed to just having the convenience of the subscription. So I ditched that. Whereas, like, yeah, my ad spend to promote my apps, like, that I'm keeping because that's, month A, it's monthly recurring revenue for those app subscriptions, and I, the apps generally help people sell more. Um, so, you know, I always want to be providing value both ways. So like that will stay. And th- there's another thing that I would say that, that when you're in a recession or you're in this fear phase right now, this is the one time to listen to this one thing more than you would ever listen to it any other time. It's true all the time, but it's like three times as true now. And that is you really need to retain the customers you have. You have to fight really hard to keep them at this point. We all know that getting new ones is more expensive than this. There's statistics out there that say it's five times more as expensive to acquire a new customer as it is to keep an existing one. The existing ones are more likely to buy from you. And the existing ones, you already have a relationship with them. So now is a time that you really want to make sure that whatever you're doing you're not losing those existing customers or you're not um, you're not throwing them away to other competitors by making them angry at this point. Okay. So, you know, don't 
send out the crazy emails saying, hey, we've got this discount. Hey, we've got this, uh, you know, here's our COVID plan. And oh, hey, here's our flash sale for today. You know, uh, customers are going to get annoyed. They, they don't want to be badgered like that. So you have to treat them like human beings. But at this point, you really have to be very, very careful and ginger with that relationship because those customers are your lifeline through the recession. So 100%, don't abuse it. Be empathetic more than ever. And now more than ever, it's super cool to be human. Be a person in your marketing and your emails. I think people will appreciate it. Like I have found engagement on social media is higher than ever. And so I have turned to that as uh, almost like a a therapeutic place for myself, you know, being able to post and see people, you know, reply and say, oh, thanks, this is so helpful, like that kind of thing. I mean, that it goes both ways. That's been helpful for me to stay sane. Um, and I think in, in email marketing, like, man, I don't think anyone wants to get another personal email direct from the CEO of whatever the hell about their COVID-19 response. <laughs> But what we do want is to see people no. be be human and go, yeah, it's okay to be freaked out right now. And like, here's yeah. something we're doing to help. And we think maybe, you know, it'll help you or ignore it. It's entirely up to you. You know, no, no hard sell here. Yeah. COVID, COVID-19 has turned out to be the new GDPR, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I got so many emails from brands that I'm like, I haven't done business with you for like three years. And now you're telling me how you're handling the COVID-19 crisis. It's like, you can't be tone deaf on your marketing right now. You really have to be human and empathetic and anything else is just making you sound like an idiot and your customers are way too smart for that. So yeah, because like we're all getting those same emails from everybody. Try now, like lean on personal branding and empathy more than ever. Any other strategies before I switch gears here? Yeah, so I would say that there. this is really a great opportunity right now for you to know your customers better than anyone else. If you haven't taken the time to really understand who your customers are, what their concerns are, what their needs, what their likes and wants and hopes and dreams and aspirations and all of these things, by actually having real conversations with them, I am 100% positive that given that everybody in the United States and Europe and many other places in the world are all stuck at home right now, you probably have an unprecedented opportunity to have some one-on-one conversations. If you've struggled to have those conversations with people, now would be a great time to start initiating them. If you have never done that, you absolutely need to do that because you cannot serve in your business someone you don't understand well. Oh, And sure. right now is a perfect time to find a way that you can be of service that isn't about you pitching your product or your service. Being kind is free. And customer service is a competitive advantage. So the fact that you can reach out as a human being, be empathetic, offer yourself in service to somebody else, that's not going to be forgotten. When you are compassionate now, in other times, that stuff turns into word of mouth. Oh, yes. So, yeah, I think right now uh, is an opportunity to be a leader in your community and space where you could step up and we're going to see like, all right, who stepped up and said, Hey, this is what we're doing to help you to help our employees 
to help our community. You know, like may I saw an email from Chubby's. Like that's that's this is weird for a brand that relies on irreverent humor. Um, how do you navigate those waters? And with I saw them do was go a little bit. They acknowledged it. Number one, I think you can't ignore it. You got to acknowledge it. Number two, they're they were still funny. They still had the right tone without being obnoxious in any way. And then they said they also they did the promo and said, "Hey, we're doing this big promo, um, and uh, we're going to donate ten percent to Meals on Wheels." So, okay, great. You hit. They hit all the right all the right buttons in your strategy. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And so I saw, and I can't remember what the name of the company was and I'm not going to shame them publicly, but it was somebody that was selling like home gym equipment and they basically had a kettlebell special that they were trying to promote and they had the coupon code Corona time. And I was like, "Mm, you know, that's not, mm, that's not doing it for me, man. You're going to get, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to get a lot of unsubscribes with that. I imagine some angry emails. There's going to be, like, if you do that, your, your unsubscribe rate's going to be a little wild. Let's take a quick break to dispel a common myth. Shopify can help you restore things you've deleted or accidentally changed. Untrue. It can't. Myth busted. Shopify has no backups that are accessible to you. In the event of a data disaster, what do you do? What do you do? You use Rewind. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone rogue. It's a must-have for your store's contingency plan. Trusted by over 25,000 businesses, from side hustles to the biggest plus stores like Movement and Gymshark, Rewind is your very own magic undo button. Check it out at Rewind.io or search Rewind in the Shopify app store. And when you do install it, respond to any of their welcome emails, Mention the unofficial Shopify podcast and get your first month absolutely free. Yeah. All right. What any other strategies you advise? Uh, well, we talked about we talked about being human and empathetic, knowing your customer. Um, the one other thing that I could say right now is if you are in a niche that is you know something that would be considered luxury, something that would not be considered essential. Um, you know, you better be prepared to weather a storm here and either you're going to have to pivot a little bit and serve a niche that is stable or critical or something that people consider more essential, um, or, you know, just change your, um, change your stream altogether and serve a different niche. That's going to be that will help you survive this so one of the one of the uh recessions that i survived i ended up figuring out that i was a um a consultant a software consultant at the time for me and it, it was happened to be one of the major insurance companies in the united states and it turns out that during recessions people still need insurance so you know my business was totally unaffected in fact if anything it expanded a little bit during that time when everybody else was contracting it was because they were actually taking that time to invest in their business and their needs at a time when the costs were lower because it was actually cheaper to get consultants. And they went and expanded things as a result of that. So if you can find a way to pivot your business into that, that is coming. That is coming. You're right. And so if you're looking at your business and going, well, how am I going to survive this? What happens if I fail? And that's how it feels, you know, when you're in a moment like this. Remember, it is not a failure if you pivot. 
I have pivoted my business what I felt fairly radically uh, two or three times now and never regretted it, benefited from it. So being willing to be nimble, being willing to let go of an idea, knowing that you you can return to it later, um, if it means keeping the lights on, then absolutely do it. Don't feel like you've got you're giving anything up by changing gears. Right. It's it's okay to let go of an idea that's not working or something that's not serving you. It isn't. You know, one thing I think as entrepreneurs, we kind of we kind of wrap ourselves into the business, and therefore, if the business fails, I'm a failure. hundred. And that's not true. It's 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 really never been true. But we think it's true, and you have to separate those two. You have to be prepared to say business isn't working, but I can do this. I can do something that's different. I'm capable of that. I think you've, you've touched on it a little bit, but what are some of the biggest mistakes people are going to make as they, they pull back and how can they avoid it? Well, so we talked about one of the biggest mistakes already because people are like freaking out about spending and a lack of revenue. You're going to, pull back expenses across the board. And so pulling back expenses on critical things is going to kill you and pulling back expenses on stuff that's bringing in new customers will also kill you. There, there is definitely that fear that will make you want to stop all spending. And the thing you have to remember is recessions aren't about the economy grinding to a halt. Spending slows down, but it doesn't come to a stop. It never stops. There are always things that people need to spend money on. And the closer you are to the right critical services, the more likely people are going to continue spending on you. And even, you know, when I say critical services, what I really mean to say is it's not just about like food and shelter, clothing and, and all of this sort of stuff. It's like things, you alluded to this earlier, Kurt, it's things that make you feel human. It might be something like luxury soap. It might be something that is a hobby that keeps you sane when you're locked up in your house because of the coronavirus. It might be, um, it, you know, there's a, a wide variety of things it could possibly be, but you have to make sure that you are not in something that is just, you know, Louis Vuitton handbags might still be considered essential to the right niche of people. But if you're trying to market that broadly to all consumers, that strategy is going to fail now. Yes. And I'm so, so grateful that we are in uh, e-commerce, which is going to be a lifeline for a lot of people now. I'm so grateful that we are evangelists championing entrepreneurship because I suspect uh, I started my business in a recession because I was underemployed. I suspect that will be the case for a lot of people going forward where this becomes a, a side hustle or a lifeline to supplement. Yeah. Income. And here, here on all of that, the, the, the truth is, you know, e-commerce is in general closer to the money because now with everybody stuck in their houses, I see that, that we're going to, you know, watch a major growth in e-commerce. I, I don't remember what the projections were. I look at these numbers every year, but they kind of jumble after a while. And they were talking about like how much the e-commerce sector was expanding from 2018 to 2019 and what it was going to do in 2020. I, I think the coronavirus is going to accelerate that considerably. And we're going to see surprise numbers here later in the year. Yeah. Like if you're, if you're in e-commerce now and you're terrified, imagine how you would feel if you were 
a restaurant owner right now where you're like, all right, I now have to make this business work entirely on delivery and curbside pickup. That's, that's true terror. If you're in e-commerce, you're one of the, like, yes, we're affected, but less so than other industries. And if you're in a space where like, maybe you're lucky and you've high margin or you do wholesale where you're selling, you know, moving huge quantities through like for me, the professional services part of our business I am so grateful that for us, eight clients is a really busy time. So, and that's true for most agencies is like eight to 12 is kind of how they run. And I'm saying this a lot. I know a lot of agency owners um, and my agency friends listen to this. I'm saying this for their benefit. Um, but if you're in a business where it's like you don't need hundreds and thousands of customers, you need a dozen. I promise you can probably still find them. Yeah. Yeah. People are going to be doing investment in their businesses. The ones that actually have the money, the ones that have that cash cushion I talked about earlier, they're going to use this time as things slow down to do some investment in their business that are going to accelerate them as things start to improve again. And if you're in that professional services niche and you're able to serve that need, you're going to benefit from that right now. Absolutely. I wonder if e-commerce merchants can turn to professional services as a way to supplement income. Like if you run a successful e-commerce business, okay, automatically you are an authority and could be a consultant. Or maybe it's just like, hey, you want to lend a hand and pitch in, not even like just to volunteer your time to benefit people, volunteer and help stores set up just a quickie online store to sell gift cards or to be able to just like to deliver to their community or, you know, to use Shopify point of sale um, to manage uh, deliveries and in-store pickup. That's something you could do to help right now. If you're going, well, I'm not that worried. <laughs> if you're like, eh, I'll survive this. I'm in a good position. You know, maybe you're like, you sell doomsday prepper gear. Those people are probably doing all right right now. <laughs> and then some, yes. Any other mistakes? I don't want to say the worst, but you have to prepare and think ahead long enough to see, all right, what happens if my business contracts 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%? Do I have the ability to survive that? So if you're not like a spreadsheet head like I am, you might want to invest a little bit of time and try to actually do some forward-looking projections and say, all right, well, what does my revenue look like in six months if I cut 50%? Can I, can I survive that? Is there a point at which my business starts to die? And if you're not doing those things right now, you really ought to get on top of that at the moment. So ignoring that, thinking that it'll be fine, thinking that it will just recover on its own, those are definitely huge mistakes. I'd say you want to you wanna know what is, my, what is my drop dead date? You know, that was something that we always talked about when I was in uh, a couple of different startups. The drop dead date kind of motivates you, helps keep you focused. Say, if we don't get this out, if we don't get customers, if we don't make the sales that we say we're going to make, if we don't get more funding, whatever it is, that date means we're out of a job. So you should look and you know have a drop dead date and know what that looks like and keep on top of revising that. Maybe you have a good month. Well, that changes your drop dead date. Okay, Update that and stay focused on it, right? And in our industry, regardless of whether you're an agency, a merchant, etc., that number tends to be uh, around 30 days. 
plus or minus five days, depending, you know, like it, for an agency specifically, it's 33 days. And for someone who manufactures their own goods versus has to purchase inventory, it's actually a little shorter. Um, so, yeah, no, it, it's a good number to know. I've also heard uh, from a lot of friends and check in on your people, man. Like my wife literally has it as like this is this time Monday is Monday morning is when I go through and I check with everyone. Like everybody gets a weekly check in and then depending on who needs it, it gets more frequent check ins. Like she is systematizing checking in on people. So I've been checking in on my people. And last week, a lot of people were saying, hey, I don't need it and I hope I don't need it. But I secured a line of credit just in case because I want to be able to keep I want to I want to be able to weather the storm and keep paying my people. And that's a great idea. But if you do get a line of credit, here's a tip for that. Know exactly how deep of a hole you're willing to dig for yourself that you can that you can fill in on the other side, because you don't want to get so deep into debt and keep doubling down on a business that isn't working, that it basically screws you personally. Also a good point. But having a line of credit is a great, great cushion because it's one of those things. If you run, right, if you're running a business and you run out of cash, your business dies. Even if you've got more business on the horizon, you've got to have enough to be able to pay suppliers, pay your staff, you know, feed yourself. All of those things happen because you've got cash flow. So credit can help extend your cash flow. Just be very careful with it. It's my advice. No, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not be be flippant about debt. In your 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 wisdom, your experience, what's different about this downturn than others, Dave? We've never seen anything that basically has ground the economy to an. I don't want to say a, a halt because it's not exactly at a halt, but we've never seen this much slowing this quickly across so many different industries in such a short period of time. Past recessions. 9-11, which at the time was, it's, it's still unprecedented, right? People still needed to buy stuff during that time. And it wasn't like specific industries were like just killed overnight. Like the restaurant business here has been killed by executive order in Colorado overnight to where they're just delivery at this point. That has never happened. The closest analogy I think we have is like World War One, World War Two. Nothing like this has ever happened in our lifetimes. I pray it never happens again. But if it does, I hope we're ready for it, having learned from this. But yeah, like that's it it's tough to make predictions when we've never seen anything like this. And like one difference is, you know, typically a recession is one country and then it affects other countries. In this case, it's the entire globe all experiencing the same thing at nearly the same time. That's very strange. Yeah, like that that's the part that's odd. It it impacts everybody equally without reservation, without prejudice, without hesitation. And that's something that you know, all past experiences of recessions that I've had has not been like this. That's been isolated to one country. It's been huge but it usually spreads out as a secondary effect. And here we have a primary effect everywhere. And that's something that, you know, I have no idea what that looks like three, six, 12 months from now. No one does. <laughs> and that's, I think it's important to recognize yeah. as humans, the one thing our brains crave is stasis, stability, 
And we always want to be going back to that. No matter what your situation is, like even if you're in a, a bad situation, when you try to change it, your brain will be like, you should go back to what you were doing. And that's that uncertainty then for you know, 99% of the population breeds anxiety. That anxiety creates fear and worry. And those are the places where you don't want to make business decisions. But you know, people will make decisions um, in that in a dark place. And I'm hoping that we have the mental awareness to recognize it and avoid unnecessarily bad decisions. Yeah. And, you know, really to help with that, you know, I don't want to get all uh, wishy-washy here, but, you know, you have to take care of yourself. It's, a, it's, you are the one that runs the business. You know, if you're running an agency, if you're running an e-commerce brand, if you're an entrepreneur of any kind, there's a huge amount of pressure on you at any given moment, even when things are going well, like you feel personally responsible for everything. And you have to take care of yourself because if you don't, nobody else will. And if you can't make good decisions from a place of, um, you know, solid mental footing, you're going to stumble, you're going to fall, you're going to make panic decisions, and it's just not going to work well. So what are you doing in terms of self-care to stay sane? I, have you had oh. these dark moments where you're like, wait, I need to put the pause on decision-making at the moment? Because I know for me, it's, it's, in, it's coming in waves. Like, I'll have anxiety. It gets bad. I recognize it. I talk my way out of it. And then, you know, I could be productive and normal for 90 minutes. And then I'll make the mistake of, like, reading CNN <laughs> and go right back or, you know, check my brokerage account and then go right back into that spiral and then talk myself out of it 90 minutes later again. It's just like an endless cycle. Each day gets a little easier. You know, I'm, I'm no longer taking fully clothed showers in a fetal position. <laughs> but that's good, Kurt. Yeah, that's good. so, you know, it's it progress. And I forgive yeah. myself for those fully clothed showers. It's, yeah, it's, it's the baby steps. All right, so step one, don't take fully clothed showers in the fetal position. Um, second, I would say that, you know, I have made a conscious effort to get outside and take a walk in the sunshine every day. And Lucky my wife you. has been really good about this, like saying it's time to go for a walk, you know, <laughs> it's been just endlessly gray in Chicago and like perpetually 33 degrees. And yet the walks still help. <laughs> but certainly if you live in a place yes, with sunshine, yes. This would be easier if you're in the Midwest at the, and for me, I have seasonal affective disorder that like gets its peak in around uh, late February, early March. So super good times for me. Yeah, I know. And I'm in the same boat. I have seasonal affective disorder too. And, you know, I have light therapy that sits on my desk and I take St. John's wort, but the exercise is like a drug. So just getting out, doing that walk, even if it's in the gray, just some fresh air and getting out of your house will help a lot. So th that's like the number one on my list. If, if you're into it and you've tried this before or you're open to it, I would say try something like meditation where you can use just watching your breath to help calm you down, even if you're only doing it for five minutes to start, which may feel like you know, an unbelievably long period of time, but just taking that time to 
watch your breath and slow it down and control it and take long, slow, deep breaths can have an amazing calming effect on you. That's a huge thing. For sure. Do you, uh, I have not been meditating recently, but like five, six years ago, I used to use a lot. I really, um, went through some dark times and struggled with a lot of anxiety and man, that meditation truly helped. I need to get back into it. And what's funny is like, I'm talking about like, I'm so anxious now and this is tough. This actually, I'm not as anxious as I was five or six years ago dealing with personal problems, uh, interpersonal issues, we'll say. And, but I, I don't have a good resource for meditation. What are you using? Yeah, mine is going to be a tough one to describe. So I used to be a member of a Buddhist community. And so I, you know, learned a lot from the four or five years that I spent in the community. And so there's a lot of stuff that I have to draw from on that. Um, I know that there's a lot of apps out there. I've used exactly none of them because the skills that I learned all predate these apps. And so, you know, um, I have a lot of notes that I can refer back to some books that I've read and things like that. But if you're looking to get started and you're not really sure, um, some really great accessible resources that are not, you know, deeply religious or would be like, completely out of line with any other um, religion you might be practicing at this point. One of them is Thich Nhat Hanh, uh, and the other one is Pema Chodron. So they have tons and tons of books, podcasts. Um, they used to have a bunch of audiobooks that you could do. I presume that they've been updated to Kindle and other likes. I have a bunch of old stuff on CD because, again, I'm old. So... Uh, you know, those are great places to get started on all of that. But, you know, the apps like Headspace, I've heard a lot of people using, um, you know, anything that you could do that you want to try out, if it works for you, great. But, you know, I'm not going to say that there's one that's better than the others because different things work for different people. For sure. Mr. Dave, where could people go to learn more about you? Well, if you are looking for uh, some pithy uh, advice and or snarky uh, sarcasm you can find me on twitter at dave rodenbaugh and that'll be in the show notes below uh, if you're looking for something a little more useful like email marketing abandoned cart recovery on your store you can check out my service that is available at recapture.io and for listeners of the podcast here we are happily offering uh, a free 60-day trial of our service so sign up, contact me, and let me know that you heard this here on the podcast, and we'll totally extend that from 14 days to 60 days to help merchants get started right now. Awesome. This is fabulous. I appreciate it. Uh, great. Thank you, Dave. I, f I feel better having talked it through. I have found in my darkest moments just FaceTiming with somebody, talking with somebody really helps. I mean, one interesting thing, both as a human and a marketer right now, is we know what is top of mind for basically the entire planet. And, and it, it, it's the worry and the uncertainty about what's going on around it. So be cognizant of that in that, you know, when you're talking, when you're marketing and uh, number one, in that you can reach out to just about anybody right now and be, and ask, Hey, how you doing? And I think it's appreciated. And that's actually one of the coolest things that I think has come out of this pandemic is the fact that all of a sudden it doesn't matter whether you're one mile away or one continent away, you basically have the same ability to reach out to people anywhere at any time. Um, we did a virtual happy hour 
with a bunch of uh, people that are in a kind of a mastermind group of ours. And we haven't normally done this. We see each other a couple of times a year, but we just got together, pulled out some beers and picked up a time on Zoom and connected in a very warm and real personal way. And I, I would suggest that if you are feeling isolated or lonely right now, reach out to some friends, have a Zoom call. They have free services. You can talk to somebody on there right now for an unlimited period of time and you reconnect with them. And this is a perfect time to do that. Oh, beautiful. All right, Dave. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me on, Kurt. And take care and stay safe. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.